The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 317, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live Wednesday, September 30th, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Our MMA and wrestling editions air every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Our gaming and entertainment editions air every Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. You can participate in tonight's show by heading over to mtrlive.com. You'll be able to listen to the high-quality audio stream via Mixler. You can also join the chat and catch the live video stream as well. For those of you enjoying the stream via the simulcast, which would be Twitch, Vaughn Live, Stream Up, Restream, and of course, YouTube Live. While it's great that you guys are tuning in that way, if you can get over to mtrlive.com and watch the stream that way and participate in the chat, that would be awesome. It, it would be great to have you guys participate that way. Archived episodes of the show are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Of course, video versions are available on our YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV, and Official Rageworks. We are also starting to put our videos on Daily Motion. Want to get a couple of videos up there first before giving out the Daily Motion address as well. One thing I have, you know, I wanted to bring to everyone's attention is if you are watching via Twitch, you'll be able to enjoy the show on your Xbox or PlayStation console via the Twitch app. In addition to that, of course, you can stream it directly via Mixler on your mobile device. Just get the Mixler app for iOS or Android devices, and you can do it that way as well. Lastly, if you are using our call-in number and you want to listen to the show, you can do that. Just not hit option one to enter the queue, and you'll be good to go that way as well. A lot of housekeeping to get out of the way. We do have a guest tonight, which I'm looking forward to speaking with. Um, we're going to be joined by former UFC heavyweight, current glory competitor, uh, the always entertaining Pat H.D. Barry, who is going to be calling us at around 11.15 or so 
and he's preparing his fiance Rose Namajunas, who will be competing this weekend against Angela Hill. Of course, both ladies were competitors on The Ultimate Fighter, and this is a fight that a lot of people are interested in um, for a multitude of reasons. Obviously, you have Angela Hill's very, very solid striking background, and of course, you have the always impressive submission game of Rose Namajunas as well. Definitely looking forward to that. That's going down this Saturday. Pat's going to be talking with us about, obviously, his career, what he's working on, uh, the transition from MMA back into kickboxing. We are going to talk about some of the stuff going on in the sport, uh, including sponsorships, things like that, just the overall process as a fighter to prepare and transition. Uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with the uh, Team Death Clutch gym, which was Brock Lesnar's gym, uh, Pat Barry was a training partner for him, and we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. So definitely looking forward to chopping it up with him at 11.15. For those of you that tuned in for last week's gaming and entertainment edition of the show, um, sucks to tell you guys that everything just took a big, big crap. Uh, last week, our video card just decided that it was time to not make itself compatible with Windows 10, which obliterated the audio for the show and, of course, derailed everything that I wanted to do for that show. So I ended up just pulling the plug and spent the weekend picking up some new equipment, making some improvements, and hopefully everything should run with minimal issue. I see that Slick is in the chat. Slick, are my levels and everything good? Just let me know how everything sounds, and um, we'll take it from there. Uh, Nonetheless, I am happy to report that after a lengthy amount of testing, everything seems to be running on all cylinders. Opted to use a USB sound card as opposed to something internal just until Windows 10 and everything else gets itself back up and running. But for the time being, Everything, knock on wood, is on all cylinders, so we do have that. I also had intended to announce the winner of the Guardians of the Galaxy action figure contest, and that was derailed due to the tech issues. I will be um, putting up some video announcing the winner on the fan page after tonight's broadcast, and I will also make a formal announcement on tomorrow's show as well. Like I said, I was just hampered by, by really annoying tech issues but nonetheless i am pumped and excited to give you guys a ton of great shows a ton of great content uh for the rest of the month of october with that i do want to acknowledge a couple of schedule changes there may not be shows on october 7th next wednesday and october 15th due to us covering a couple of events but um if there's not there will be ample content from either myself on the site or from some of our other hosts, including our very own Jay Santee and the regular season sportscast, or via Ben and Taylor with Black is the New Black. I know that Ben had some serious and frustrating tech issues for his show this week. Seems that that's a a recurring theme. Nonetheless, um, I'm hoping that we can get a new episode of Black is the New Black this week. If not, I'll keep you guys posted with regards to that as well. I did want to mention... That And this is um, one thing that Slick brought to my attention as well, that we were originally slated to kind of do alternating weeks with regards to MMA, but things have been rather interesting, a lot more engagement on the MMA side, so 
we're going to definitely work on just monitoring how the MMA segment goes for the foreseeable future. So for the time being, we're going to put that on hold. But I will say this, and if you guys think I'm distracted, it's just because I'm typing that we are live and letting everyone know. Uh, Nonetheless, as I was saying, you know, this is one of those instances where if we if we do away with it, everybody's going to be concerned and frustrated as to why we did it. Others are going to ask, why didn't we do it sooner? And I think that based on response and feedback from a lot of people, uh, including those that have been longtime listeners and new listeners, they like the slightly shorter condensed 90 minute format and the fact that i timestamp our audio and video has been a big help for them thus far but like everything else it's always a work in progress but i did want to update some of you on that i also want to welcome all the new people that have joined our fan page recently a lot of great people jumping into the rageworks.net fan page um you know making themselves known contributing participating uh same thing with the rageworks group lot of new faces there as well really excited to see those guys um you know see so many new guys and gals involved on multiple fronts both on social media on the site etc uh looking forward to giving you guys a ton of new content and um that's pretty much it anyway before pat comes in i did want to give you guys a preview of what we're going to be talking about um like i said pat's going to join us we're going to get into our interview with him. We are going to talk a little bit of MMA as well, including this past weekend's UFC Fight Night card with Josh Barnett and Roy Nelson in the main event. We are going to talk about that. I do want to dig a little bit into the John Jones situation, which, as many of you know, John Jones uh, escaped going into the pokey, so to speak, uh, due to his unfortunate accident. Nonetheless, I will say that that's going to be something that I want to dig into this week and hopefully touch on next week as well. And, of course, on the wrestling side of things, we're going to talk about Raw. We are also going to get into the wrestling news of the week, etc., etc. You know, all the usual stuff that we have on deck. But I did want to say one thing, and this I will go into just as my own little monologue. The... John Jones situation has divided a lot of fans for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Same thing with the new Vitor Belfort information that we talked about last week. Where I stand with this stuff is athletes are people that you can cheer for, root for, be a fan of, but are not role models. You know, they are flawed individuals, much like the rest of us. So putting them on a pedestal and, And trying to live vicariously through them is only going to lead to disappointment. As someone who's been following the sport of mixed martial arts for a long time, I've seen a lot of great fighters, I've seen a lot of good fighters, and I've seen a lot of not-so-great fighters all, you know, destroy their own careers, whether it's through substance abuse, uh, criminal activities, whatever, whatever the case may be. You know, we can talk about guys like Chris Lieben, and just as easily we can shift gears and talk about guys like War Machine and going on to the, you know, up to the mainstream, uh, individuals like John Jones and other guys that are going through their personal issues. And the thing is that there's always a lot at stake when it comes to investing in these guys, either 
from a business standpoint and even from a fan perspective because I know a lot of guys were disenfranchised and and saddened by the quote-unquote self-destruction of John Jones. But I will say this, in terms of his abilities as a fighter, as an individual who participates in the sport of mixed martial arts, I cannot ignore what that guy brings to the table as an athlete. As an individual, as a human being, uh, he is incredibly flawed, and he has his fair share of issues. But I will say that when it comes to entertainment value and providing just some memorable fights, he is definitely one of those guys that you always want to tune in and see. So with that said, I am disappointed that you know this he, he pretty much destroyed his career, but it looks like he is back on track to compete sooner rather than later with um, obviously the probation, the community service, and the court-mandated alcohol and drug testing, which is what I said last week, would be crucial to ensure that John Jones stays on the proverbial straight path. Now, again, you know, tests can be altered, things can be skirted, rules can be broken, but as far as ju- the judicial system it you know it 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 worked within within the space of what was what was allowable i mean i'm sure john jones did not have a shitty um public defender or a public defender that was overworked he had a good lawyer with good money i mean dana white was even there showing quote unquote support aka please don't let my cash cow go to jail um but like i said i'm glad that this situation has for all intents and purposes been resolved. We'll see what happens. We'll see if anything civil happens as a result. But it looks like I wouldn't be shocked if if Jones is announced as returning to the UFC as soon as January or February of 2016. And who knows, he may end up squaring off against the winner of Cormier and Gustafson, who of course fight this weekend as well. I will say, like I said before, even even... Even on the strength of, of possibly going to prison, he has he has pretty much derailed and taken away the thunder of da- of Daniel Cormier and Alexander Gustafson. Even even to that degree, he has he has derailed um, that. So it, it amused me, and I said to myself, "Damn, these guys can't even catch a break with regards to that." You know, these guys are promoting their fight. It's this weekend. John Jones isn't going to jail. And he's right back in the news, just right back upsetting the proverbial establishment. I, I really, you know, I'm curious to see how it pans out. Um, like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if he's in there January or February 2016. Uh, but with that, we'll touch a little bit more on that in uh, the latter part of the MMA segment. Slick just brought to my attention that Pat Barry is on the air. Let me bring him in. Hey, Pat, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, man? Nothing much. Just here in Texas, sitting down, eating dinner. All right, man. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you're helping Rose get ready for her fight this weekend to come on air and chop it up with us. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, you're right. You good? Yeah, hello? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, cool. Thanks for having me, man. All right, so... For those of you that don't know, Pat Barry competed in the UFC in the heavyweight division, ended up retiring from active MMA competition, and resumed his career in kickboxing. 
and I kind of want to start with that. How does how's it feel getting back and scrapping on the stand up side of things and not dealing with some of the rigors of MMA? Oh, felt terrible, actually. Really? <laughs> to be totally, completely, I it was it hurt, man. It just, you know what it was because what it was was something different that I was not accustomed to anymore. So I kind of went back into kickboxing with the I'm a kickboxer. This is what I used to do. I know how to do this. And when I got back into it, instantly at practice, I was sitting thinking, "Oh man, the sport has evolved. Even practice has evolved." And I've changed. <laughs> I've changed as an athlete. Well, the the thing the thing that gets me also is the fact that you were, you know, you were, you know, no pun intended, you were a beast when you were kickboxing, and the transition to MMA, you took to it rather well, even though you you always acknowledged that you were always expanding and learning on in your toolkit. Now, transitioning back, what are some of the new challenges you've had to face in terms of the sport evolving? Well, this is like, I mean, just as, as time goes on, the athletes just, they're, they're just a different breed of athlete. Like, if you take, you know, boxers from 1912 on piers back in New York, you know, with the whole, with the big mustache and the two fists up going, come on, come on. <laughs> like, as time has gone on, eventually you had Joe Frazier's, Muhammad Ali's, like Mike Tyson's, Hutchko Brothers. Now you've got Mayweather's and, uh, you know, Deontay, that guy, Deontay the Brown Bomber. That's like that, dude. You got you got fighters like this nowadays. Like this is not the sport's different. People change, and like the training gets better. Everybody's methods get better. Techniques get better. It's you just can't. Just, you know, it's just it's just different. I was kind of out outdated in my mentality when I got back into it. Well, I, I, at I'll first. T- well, I'll tell you this much: the sport as a whole has really just become a mainstream juggernaut. Both with regards to MMA and even for kickboxing. Now that kickboxing is being shown on Spike TV on, on a more consistent basis, more and more people are, are tuning in to watch you guys go in there and stand and trade, and I think that's great for the sport. Yeah, I mean, I think just, I mean, if, if, I mean I'm, uh, I've uh, gotten more and more and more into uh, jiu-jitsu now that I've been, like, having time off. You know, big, I can be... I just, just time off from all the injuries, this and that, but just able to move around and just grapple so I have a better appreciation for what it is that I'm seeing. Like, for the most part, people still aren't completely, like, up to date on what they're looking at when it comes to grappling, jiu-jitsu, high-level wrestling, even striking when it comes to MMA. People aren't it's getting better. The sport's getting better. The longer it's around, like, the more it's going to, like, pick up and it's going to get, and the more people start getting into it, the more kids want to be, you know, MMA fighters for Halloween. People are going to learn about it more. So as of right now, I still think that for the majority of the population out there, the striking super punch, super kick knockout is what they like to see. Or the two guys, the Forrest Griffin, Stephen Bonner fight one, like punches that just, you just stand there. Like, uh, who was that? Diego, Diego in a, Diego Sanchez and, and Gilbert Melendez, I know, had a war. Yep, and Diego, Diego and Gilbert. Like, people, that is just, it's just as, at the moment, <laughs> at the moment, and I think if this moment is going to last for a long time, that's going to be a lot more impressive and a lot more, not impressive, not impressive, not the wrong word, don't kill me. It's going to be just a little <laughs> bit more entertaining for the average fan and the super fan, I think, for now. I think that's going to be a little bit more entertaining than, you know, X-Guard. Well, you can't. What an awesome, sweet game. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny you say that because people, 
people sometimes, and you know, I'm glad you brought that up. People when they watch fights live, as soon as the fight goes to the ground and and people are having really good exchanges, the crowd out of nowhere starts booing, which annoys me because you know the, it, it's it's a complete it's a complete discipline, you know. And when it goes to the ground, that's when you start seeing real work. You know what? Now let me now, now let, let, let me give you a little just a, a pinch of a tweak your statement. Shoot, they cheer when the fight first goes to the ground, and you get a pickup and oh yeah, boo! Like, <laughs> like people cheer when they like, oh yeah, and after like you give it like six seconds, they start going. The cheer goes away. Three seconds after that, they start going. All right, come on, <laughs> like come on, stand them up, boo! And, it's, and, it's, and the only reason why is because I don't think they can identify spectacular moves. Right. They and can identify, like, Rose, Rose threw me in some type of maneuver today <laughs> that not only did I say, what the fuck was that, but so did the cameraman say, excuse me, but can you name whatever that was just now? Like, the camera guy who wasn't even supposed to be talking. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, like, if, if you, if, if, if jujitsu doesn't look exciting to my, 70-year-old <laughs> uncle who's been, you know, you know what I mean? But but it's only because he just has no idea what he's looking at. Whereas I can, I'm developing a much better appreciation. With the, the more I do it, the more experience I have with it, you know? Well, you came, you know, you came into, into martial arts a little later in, in your life. And the, I, I'm curious as to, you know, what was the spark that got you interested in pursuing not only a career in mixed martial arts, but just engaging in martial, martial arts in general. You know, uh, I was, I was, you know, I was, uh, I was that little dude, you know, my whole life growing up, every, every Van Damme movie I watched, I went outside the backyard and I practiced the moves over and over again. I would watch the, the fight scenes in slow motion over and over and over and over again. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many watch time to watch Cyborg, Bloodsport, Terminator. Yeah. I mean, just all, all those Predator ones, just all those movies. I was just act out scenes all the time. I never did any type of martial arts growing up. I was a gymnast, so I was a very capable, very athletic guy. I could run and jump over cars and jump out of trees and, you know, <laughs> flip over fences and whatnot. But, you know, I mean, so, like, I was just a ninja my whole life, in my in my head. But I've never been in a fight, man, even till this day. And people think that this is so strange. I've never been in a street fight, even now. I think the even till this, I've never been, I've had a million opportunities. But I was not a fighter, man. I'm not fighting nobody. Just I play the game of fighting really well, but I just I didn't have that. I hope you I hope you kids never see you after this fight again. <laughs> yeah, I never had that. You know what I mean? I never had that. I'm I'm going for blood, guts, and death. I never in my real life, you know. Right. No, I, I understand. Like in my real life, and, and I played the game really well when it came to the fighting. You know what I mean? But yeah. I got sidetracked. I don't even know what we're talking about. Yeah, people don't know what they're looking at when it comes to jiu-jitsu. <laughs> yeah. But they're getting better at it. Well, the the thing that it, – it's funny. You mentioned, you know, watching Van Damme movies, and, you know, I always I always gravitated. Oh, yeah, that's, I'm sorry. That's, that's Yeah, watching that. Watching Van Damme movies, playing Street Fighter video games, going outside the practice and stuff like that, like, and then getting into kickboxing, going traveling the world doing that, and then coming back from kickboxing. And then when I came back from Amsterdam, I actually lost the love for fighting a little bit. I had left it in it. And when I came back from Amsterdam, after five years there, and traveling the world fighting everywhere, I kind of lost the love for the sport. I'm sorry if I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I remember where the story was. 
But I kind of lost the love for them. Just for it. And when I came back, I went over to Milwaukee and was training over there at Ruber Sport, man. You know, he asked me if I wanted to give it a try. And, you know, it was, a, it was just a brand new thing. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll give it a try. And what it did was it allowed me to be a student again. It allowed me to start learning something again versus coming in and just just being convinced that I guess this is the best that I'm going to be. I can just do this just a lot harder. So that's that's where it came from. And it was just it was just the, the yearning to learn something new and, oh, my God, I'm not good at this. And I can get good at this if I keep practicing. That kind of thing. Woo, that was a story, boy. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. You know, it's funny you mentioned watching – Van Damme movies and even Street Fighter because I think everyone, especially those in the in the thirty to I want to say mid twenties to early forties, always say the same thing. They always go, "Yeah, man, I got into it because I watched Enter the Dragon, or I used to watch old Shaw Brothers, or I used to you know play Kung Fu, or 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 watch um you know ex sibling play video games." So it's always refreshing to hear that there's still people that you know that's all it takes to get them involved. Yeah, man, it was just, you know, it was, just, it was, it's, it's getting into MMA and getting into kickboxing made, gave me the, the, the small kind of a chance to, to live out of the childhood dream of being a vigilante, being, being the, <laughs> the guy that no one, you know, man, you've seen those movies many times about the, 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 the nerdy kid who can't do anything and then somebody pushes him down and he gets embarrassed and he goes, he trains somewhere and he comes back and now he's got a cool haircut and he saves the day, you know what I mean? Like that kind of, that kind of, that kind of, you know, my, that was my everyday life as a kid growing up. You know, I used to always fantasize about, you know, stopping a bank robbery or, you know, or, or, or saving the day in some type of, <laughs> you know, punches and kicks flying. No, no guns and actual death, but ah, I, I stopped you and now you get arrested type of thing. And right. I was able to get into kickboxing and get into MMA, man. I actually, it became a real life thing for me. What was it like? training in, in Amsterdam and how does that training differ from here in the States, you know? Man, uh, I will tell you this. It was, uh, in Amsterdam, I really, that's, that's where my game really evolved because of what I was able to gain there. And at the same time, well, I had to, what I had to invent on my own in order to survive there. The difference between, I think the training when it comes to here and there, uh, is in Amsterdam, when it comes to the training, it's very repetitious. Right. Very, 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 very repetitious. Whereas here in the States, people get bored super quick. Super quick. And I'll give you an example. When was the last time you sat through an entire five minute YouTube video? Entire thing from beginning to end. Very rarely. Say the days off your door. Never mind. <laughs> very rarely, right? You put it on. How many times have you? I don't know about you, but I've got a whole bunch of movies on Netflix that my previously viewed. That's probably a quarter watched. You know what I mean? Like half yep. watched. But, like, I'm watching it and stopping just throwing something else, fast forward a little bit, stopping and throwing something else. Like, we get bored really quick because of the way that we're raised or just the way that life is here. Here, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's just, that's just my thing. I'm just like, I'm totally guessing. I got brain damage. I don't know. But <laughs> in Amsterdam, at training, they get, it's very, very, very repetitious. You just get repetitious numbers over and over and over and over and over again on top of the fact that that's just the kind of the, the, the good part. The good part of Amsterdam being there is there though they're hard man. They practice punching and kicking on each other's bodies versus just on the bag or just on pads. Nobody complains when it comes to sparring, not because 
everyone's going at a at, at, at what I think is a decent level of contact right where no one should complain there's there is a there is a everybody who's ever been in the gym has been in the gym for some time and has an open mind can tell the difference between a punch that boom oh you got me and a punch where it's like they go okay you motherfucker I'm like, I'm like all right what? like there's a difference between those two punches and it's obvious when you feel them. You know what I mean? Well, in Amsterdam, when I was training with, was that? No, I was. I was going to say. I mean, you. You know, you turn. You trained with one of the legends with Ernesto Hoost. I'm sure that the practices were Ern- brutal. Brutal. They were. In, they were absolutely intense because they never stopped. They're the strongest people in the world, and their technique is just balls. But it's just their bodies were so conditioned to just having impact, having impact, having impact. Their bodies were so trained because it's not a bad thing. Like there, you punch someone, and if it lands, they say thank you for exposing that hole I had. Versus here, sometimes you punch someone and it lands, and they go, "Hey, dude, two hundred dollars, bro." You know what I mean? <laughs> but when it comes to wrestling, they double leg you through a wall. Right. That's what I don't get. No one wants to get punched in the face with an eighteen ounce glove, or you kicked in the leg with big shin pads. But they'll suplex you onto a table or a dumbbell, and then you get it through your arm and straight gone. I'm even in a gym neck cranking people like I. You know what I mean? But when it comes to big gloves and shin pads, when it comes to the comparison between the the the, the, the level that we the, the level of uh, impact that we have at practice here, which is uh, kind of like an understood level of impact and work, it's just a little bit different there. When it comes to the striking, I don't know how the wrestling and the grappling is, but when it comes to the striking part, the part that I feel we're lacking here, not lacking because we have great striking and coaches and training here, but just the conditioning that would, with the getting the condition that they had, it's just, it's different there. It's a totally different thing. Whereas here you can train and be phenomenal without having contact with anyone, which I'm a firm believer in, but over there it's repetitious numbers, punching and kicking, <laughs> punching and kicking each other over and over again. It's awesome. Well, you also, it you was al- my cup of tea. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, you also, you also have, uh, you know, uh, San Shao under your belt as well. And from what I hear, the training for that is just as intense. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely, man. The thing is, it's it, 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 and it just it's, but it's a different type of training. It absolutely, it's a, it's, but it's, a, it's it's as intense, but just a different type of training. Like I said, here we have to do a lot of work with sometimes minimal contact, but it, but it works and it's hard. There, you had a, in Amsterdam, the Dutch, you had a lot of physical contact and repetition on each other's bodies over and over and over again. When you go to China, man, that's a totally different workout, man, because now you're all by yourself, and it's up to you sometimes. Well, <laughs> when, and that, bro, that's, a, that's, a totally different, that's a totally different type of a monster. Well, going, going, to, you know to I mean? those, going to those two countries from the States, you know, what, what, what were the obstacles you faced there? I mean, obviously, language barrier being... Being a foreigner, how was that? How was that transition? Language. You know what? It was. It was, it was I was able. To, I'm, I'm very perceptive. I'm a very perceptive. I pay attention a lot, almost to the point of eavesdropping. Sometimes that's what it looks like. <laughs> I, I, people think sometimes, but it's not that. I'm just very perceptive. I pay attention a lot, so I I'll, I caught on quick. I caught on quick when not to uh, go to, <laughs> when not to speak in practice. In China, when someone's speaking, I I, I caught on quick. Uh, who who, who uh, at practice in Amsterdam when when someone is going off on you, you think you're fighting fighting you. I caught on quick that the worst thing to do is to go, hey man, all right, all right, I'm sorry, calm down, I'm sorry, you know whatever, and just walk off. 
that's the worst thing to do. The best thing to do is to go back at him as hard as you possibly can. And at the end of the round, keep on going until one of you quits. And after one of you quits, you stand up and shake hands, you best friends for the rest of your life. Like, wow. I caught on to all that pretty old man for the rest of your life. Beat each other to death, and you keep in touch forever. I haven't been asked them forever, and there's still guys that I talk to out there. I don't even know their names. We still send messages back forth every once in a while. And he's not, we're not having slumber parties, but that's just how the training was. Like, it just, it, the, the transition, we, like I said, it, it was a little bit more rugged than we're here. Here we have air conditioning. <laughs> there they have air conditioning in Amsterdam. In China, there wasn't air conditioning sometimes, or toilets. I mean, just here we have bags and pads, and we have all this new hammer strength equipment and these plates, and someone here comes in the gym twice a day to clean the gym six days a week, and it's all, man, everything is up, you know, and out there is sometimes it's an empty room and it's got no ventilation, so the walls are wet from the sweat for like the last six weeks. Wow. And, you know what I mean? Not that that makes it any, not that that makes it any better. It's just a different workout. Now, it's not better here or there or no, you know, but it's just, it's just a totally different type of thing, you know? Well, do you think that that, that approach that you took towards that and just the level of discipline you received you know, training, training with with Ernesto, who's learning Sanchao. Was that something that, and and I'm gonna come forward a little bit with this. You know, when you fought Mirko Krokop, was that something that kind of helped bring you guys closer together? Just that grit, that determination, yeah. that hard training style. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's that that that, that I, I believe absolutely did. I mean, it, once you've once you've walked the walk, you can identify other people who walk that same walk. You know what I mean? If that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. You, once you, what, I, li- I live in Denver, Colorado. I can identify stoners. <laughs> I, can, I know what they look like now everywhere I go. Because I live there, so everywhere I go, it doesn't matter which state or city. If you, oh, you're kind of high. I know. I know it. I already know. You're lying. I know you are. Like, I mean, I just, I can identify. You know what I mean? Like, you can identify like someone who's going down a similar path or someone who's been through the struggle or someone who's been through the grit, man, the blood, sweat, and tears. The kind, you can identify that. And then when it came down to the day and we were able to, like, throw it what we had at each other and to be able to stand there and, just, like I said, with the respect, when somebody's going off of you at practice in some gym, like, oh, sometimes you can't be abusive. This and that. But some scenarios, it's not abusive. In some scenarios, it's like, hey, you know what? This is an opportunity for you to let go back. And like I said, you develop a type of bond. Something happens. There's something that after you fight somebody, there's just something that after you fight them. I mean, you hear that in movies. After you fight them, there's something there, man, forever. Like, no matter what. Before we fought, uh, there was an admiration that I had for him and for the route that he had gone and what it took for him to do what he's been able to do and still do to this day. Like, there's some admiration there, but he was he had no choice but to have a sense of something coming from me, too. He just yeah. After we walked, we've you know I'm not I'm nowhere near Krokop, but I wouldn't say that he's uh, when it comes to his uh, fighting, I guess his fighting spirit uh, for the training, like the love that he had for the sport that he has for the sport, the love for it. I don't think we're there, uh, and we're not we're not different at all. Well, with yeah. re- well with regards to forging that sort of a friendship in in, in your career in the UFC and what other what other opponents have you had that after you came away from from that fight win or lose you developed a stronger bond with them aside from from Krokop yeah, aside from Krokop I mean there are people I kept in 
Christian Warcraft came in town a few years back and was staying with me for a little while. I haven't talked to him in a while, but we have gotten pretty close after that. Uh, Sean Jordan, I was at practice with him tonight. Oh wow! Like, we fought. I think he punched me in the eye one. He punched me in the eye one time, and I was like, "Damn, <laughs> you win!" Like and that, it was that quick. It was a two. It was two seconds. He punched me in the eye one time, and I was like, "All right, whatever, man, you win." You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're, I'm gonna. You just develop a bond. It's just nothing. Like, no matter. You can hate him forever, but you know what I mean. If I was on the, you know, if I'm, if I'm getting mauled by you walking down the street, you see me in the alley getting attacked by some dogs. I, you know, I think Sean would run. Yeah, there's some type of bond there. Oh, that, yeah. that that's really cool to hear. So he I, might not give me he he might not give he might not give me his last sandwich, <laughs> but there's some kind of bond there. But damn, that's that that's cool to hear. Yeah. You know what it is? Not too many people touch on that. Some do, but you know, seeing seeing you come away. I mean, especially the Crow Cop fight, which just it, it was after that fight was over and you guys were hugging and you were just you were so amped, you were so hyped just on the fact that you fought a guy that you admired and. You know, you guys, you guys really tested each other throughout that fight. You know, yeah, yeah. It really, it really just, it, yeah, it's refreshing was, to see. Was, uh, yeah, it's almost like a weird, you know. Every once in a while, I sit there going, "Man, I can't believe that was me." You know. <laughs> well, weird, man. my uh, is awesome. My uh, a couple, a couple of the the wrestling fans on the show know that you trained at Team Death Clutch a little bit with uh, with Brock Lesnar. So I definitely want to get your take yeah. on I want to get your take on on that experience a little bit. You know what? That was that was a that was another eye opening experience for myself. Like that was another eye like that was another type of experience where I got to see another high level athlete and what it took for what it what it kind of takes like what his daily life is like kind of in the gym in the gym I don't have no idea what they do outside of the gym right like, what his daily grind looked like at practice how the way he trained the way like like even knowing that there was a possibility you know i mean I, you know you know some of the top level guys out there have you know personal trainers and like right. this and a lot of one-on-one kind of stuff when you come up the ranks man you're in the class right you, know, you don't get one-on-one training when you come up the ranks back in the day i don't know how it is now but back in the day you don't you know you in the middle of the class man and if you stand out maybe you get some type of attention or something like that. But you have to work your way. You have to make yourself noticeable, you know? And then Brock went through that. But the stage in his career when I came in, it was him in a building that was his with a team that was his all there, like, building this machine, you know? Right. Like, that being able to see that, being a part of the building this machine. All he was was a race car, and they just, they had they had to drive it. That's it. Hey man, here, punch this this many times, do this this many times, do this, do this, do that, do that, go home, go to sleep, wake up, come back, do this. Like it was just strategic. It was very, very, very scientific, man, and it was just amazing to watch how that it all unfolds. I mean, I learned some of my coaching game came from some of like the it's in, like the bits and pieces I've taken from all the different experiences that I had. But I remember that one was a very unique one in its own, man. I was in a room with Brock Lesnar every day, <laughs> every day sitting there being a part of that that pit crew, you know. Right now, how was how was the 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 overall the overall atmosphere? I mean, I understand what you're saying. It was almost very very Ivan Drago, Rocky Four, where everybody was kind of just yeah. adding adding to that machine. But being being yep. in the, in that atmosphere for you was it? Did you feel you came away with it? Aside from being learning the fundamentals for coaching how did you feel you came away as a fighter after that 
Well, as, as I mean, it definitely opened my eyes a lot to how big of a guy I'm not. <laughs> it definitely, it definitely uh, pointed out the fact that maybe, maybe all the shit everybody's talking about going down a 205 and whatnot, they don't get my face with that. Maybe, maybe y'all are right. Okay, maybe you guys might be onto something with that because the first time Mr. Lesnar grabbed my forearm, I instantly said, ooh, no, stop. <laughs> ooh, I said it just like that, all right? I'm standing there all husky and ridiculous and raised for blood. He grabbed my arm and I said, oh, no, man, no. Oh, it's over. You win. You win regardless of whatever's going on. You win. You win, sir. Like, that, 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 that was okay. Oh, that's a big, you know, of course, that's the biggest guy in the world. Right. <laughs> of course. But, I mean, just the other, the other teammates that we had, the other guys in the pit crew, man. John Madsen's huge. Cole Conrad was bigger than Brock. Like, just that kind of thing. That, so, I, I got a lot of, I got a big, like, what I learned from the training, I got a lot of good training. But I've been training my whole life. So, the training, all right, cool. But the mentality is what I got. Right. There's no exercises. I mean, I'm not, not, not no never, but there's not many exercises that you're going to show me that I'm going to go, oh, man, oh, I've never breathed real heavy like that. You know, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Right. Just, just, I've, I've done all the sprints. I've done, I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. Now, I know there's a lot of different things that I could do that would benefit me different ways, but if it comes to exercising, I don't get impressed by exercising very much. <laughs> I get impressed by other people doing exercises, but, oh, uh, man, if you do these burpees and then followed by cartwheels, followed by jumping jacks, followed by climbing <laughs> rope oh, and with a 10-second break in between each one, oh, we call that the death machine. So what? I don't care. I pushed my van home one day. That's the worst workout in the world. Yeah. <laughs> go go shovel snow. Yep. That's the worst thing in the world. Impress me with that. Shovel snow and then tell me come back and tell me about your CrossFit. You know, shovel snow and then shut up on a while. Like but that kind of thing, but what I got out there was just the, their work ethic, the way that they put together their work programs, how scientific it was, like heart rate monitors and and just like everything was just so specific versus just pick it up real heavy. Throw it. Okay, workout's over. You know, what I, mean? <laughs> you know what I mean, it was really, really, really. It was always different, man. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, what I what I learned, I learned a lot about work ethic. Like I, you know, I thought I worked hard, but it's crazy when you see somebody who works hard and he weighs three hundred pounds. <laughs> well, that's his, a totally different. That's a completely different spectacle. Well, I gotta, I gotta ask, and 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 you know, just straight up, did he not like getting hit in the face? <laughs> I don't know why, you know, why people say this. All right, now I'm going to give you. I got to ask the source, you know. A few answers. Shoot. I'm going to give you a few answers. I'm ready, bro. One, nobody likes getting hit in the face. <laughs> this nobody. Is damn right about that. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Hey, nobody to that dude over there saying, no, nobody to that dude behind you. Nobody to all those guys to the left. Nobody to all to some of the chicks over there who like I like getting hit. Nope, nobody likes to get punched in the face ever. It doesn't sexually arouse anyone. It doesn't turn <laughs> anyone on. Nobody. Oh man, when I get hit, sometimes I'm like, yeah. No, you don't. When you get hit, you go, you go, oh, ouch, and then you go, all right, man. But you don't go, oh man, do it again because you just put your hands down. You know what I mean? Right. You would just put, you would just you would just put your hands down. So like this is. But, but, 
there was there was no rules. There's there's no Brock Lesnar says don't hit me in the face. So Brock Lesnar spoke don't. There's no no nobody likes getting hit in the face. And people did Brock Lesnar like not like getting hit in the face? I think that the problem is is that I once said yeah no nah, he don't like getting hit in the face. And then people are like oh I knew it. And I go wait wait I don't like getting hit in the face either. I don't right. think you like getting hit in the face, do you? No, absolutely not. But the you know why I ask also no. because there's you know the age the age old you know the age old expression of you know everybody has a plan to you get hit in the face and it's true. I mean the the real question is what how do you react after getting hit? And in his case, you know most people felt that he didn't react accordingly. I mean uh, to to preface what you said, some people did not like getting hit in the face. Period. You know that's just how it is. Right. I've been kickboxing. Uh, I've been fighting for 15 years, uh, about almost 15 years now, and still to this day, when I get hit in the face, I, I mean, I don't, nobody likes it. It just depends on how you react to getting hit in the face, and how you react to getting hit in the face, a lot of it is based on how often you get hit in the face. Right. And how long has Brock trained, how long was Brock training for fighting before he had his first fight? A few months? Yep. I mean, you wrestle all day and night, but you get no matter if you wrestled any. I'm a record-growing wrestling gold medalist from Abu Dhabi, and I tell you, I choke out everybody. And that don't have nothing to do with getting punched in the face at all. Damn right. So Brock trained for fighting for a few months versus guys who have been fighting for years, and everybody says, "Oh, when he got punched in the face by Junior or whoever came punch, uh, whoever he got punched when he got punched in the face." He all spazzed out and went crazy. He's like, yeah, okay, now let's go back to some of your previous fights, to your early fights, and let's see how goofy everybody looked in their first fights in prison now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no one in the UFC or in kickboxing who didn't look like a spaz, who didn't get worn out, or who didn't look goofy as a mug during their beginning of their careers. So, did Brock Lesnar like getting hit in the face? No. Did Brock Lesnar know how to stay composed while getting punched in the face? Maybe, yeah, sure, after about maybe 10 minutes of it, but not not right when it starts happening when the referee can stop it. Right. Know? Like, no, it, take, it takes a while to, 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 to it takes a while to uh, figure out how to, how to be, you know, how to just breathe and relax and know that no matter how much you get hit, I'm okay. I, I can, I'm okay. I need this to stop, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Well, with with regards to that, matter of fact, everybody, you know, I'm sorry, but everybody out there who thinks that Brock Lesnar had a problem, like uh, didn't like getting hit, yada yada, this and that, you go find me somebody who doesn't panic while drowning, and that's then a I'll good way to look my at mind it. <laughs> on everything I said. <laughs> no, that's... find someone. Don't they always say that if you're drowning, the worst thing you do is panic. If that's you right. Drown faster. Or if you step in quick, if you step in quicksand, if you panic, you sink faster, motherfucker. The earth is eating you. Relax. <laughs> The earth is swallowing you whole like a movie. The shit is real. It's happening right now. Relax and die slowly. <laughs> Everybody's going to panic. Nobody doesn't panic when they get lit on fire. Damn right about that. But I'm, but I'm glad you, you gave a legit answer that actually yeah. you know, elaborates a little further. And, and with that, I got to ask, when you were training kind of to go back to that a little bit when you were training in Amsterdam you got hit over there the first time in a class how was that initial reaction you checked your first leg kick over there how was that for you hey, yo <laughs> yo man it was great 
I mean, it, it, it was it was it was it was it was it was great. It was great because the, it was great the look on everyone's face when I first blocked the first like a logo. I mean, I'm a big American guy, of course. Whole class stopped to watch me get my to get to get washed by everybody. Right. Like, and I was good. That was the worst part is that I wasn't. I didn't suck. I was actually good at it. So I was holding my own kind of until I, everything hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, Matt, I'm, Rose just told me to eat my sandwich. All right. Um, so I, I, yes, I took my first punch. I bought my first pick. It was awesome. Nice. Now, going, going, going a little uh, pop culture. I hear you know. I hear you. You know, you one of one of your role models. One of the guys you enjoy. That one of your heroes is Mike Tyson, and that's that's probably that's probably most most New Yorkers and most guys I know always definitely gravitate towards Mike Tyson. I gotta ask, what what made you a fan of his, and what did you take away from just him as a fighter with regards to your own career? He and I were similar sizes. He was also one of the smallest guys out there, and. He was ferocious and fearless. I was small. If he can do it, I can do it. You know? Right. I, that was the idea. If he can do it, I can do it. And at the same time, I was thinking, I really like watching what I see what he does what he does. Like, I like that. I like watching that. I make mean, it good when I see that. Like, when I watch him do it, I'm like, man, I'm in awe at all of it. And what I got from it was a hard work ethic and and the belief that all the knowledge that anybody can win and anybody can lose at any point in time. Like, I never once thought that I was invincible. I knew that I'd lose eventually. I knew that I would get knocked out eventually. It took 13 years, but I eventually checked how it happened. Like, I knew it would happen. I never once thought it would never happen ever. You know, and I got that from watching him decimate everybody and then lose. Well, that, that Chuck Congo fight, and, and this is me speaking as a fan, was just 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 tapped me emotionally, only because you know I've been following your career for a while. I was I was really hyped. I knew it was going to be a, a a war, and it was just so so sudden the way it went down that it just threw me for a loop. I was like, "What the fuck just happened?" And um, you know, it was funny because I was talking about it the following week on air, and people were just like, "Yeah, man, you know, it was just crazy, just a, 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 a one of those freak things where you just got caught." And you know you saying that and and talking about just just that experience when when you walked away from that fight you know how did how did you feel afterwards I mean you know I know I know just losses are disappointing and that's that that's without question but just emotionally how does that you know from a fighter's perspective how does that come together you know I was actually relieved man like, you were relieved. uh yeah, I was actually relieved. I mean, it's, it's weird to say it took a long time for me to realize that, but it was actually relieved that it happened. Not because the fight was over. Not that, no, I, I, no, I, didn't, I did not like losing that fight at all. Especially because I thought I won that fight twice, at, <laughs> at least the next two days. Uh, but I was relieved from the idea that I had actually gotten knocked up and survived my entire career. Part of why my offense had been the way it was and why I was a one-round fighter and why I had more knockouts than distance, like, wins. Like, and then, like, the reason why I always fought the way that I did was for, was because of the fear of being knocked unconscious. I wasn't always a 
afraid of it. But the more guys that I knocked out, the more I started thinking, man, I don't know if I want to experience that ever. You know, right. I don't know if I want to go through that. And it was just a fear. So it got to a point where in my career, as fights went on, every time I got out of another fight, I felt like, oh, whew, got out of another one. I, maybe, maybe. And so every fight started, like the last, like however many fights I was having, I got to a point where I was going into fights going, oh, shit, maybe this is the one. You know what I mean? Maybe not, not maybe I'll lose, but maybe this is the one where I get knocked out. You know what I mean? Knowing that someone would be capable of doing that, that was also a fear of mine. You know? Gotcha. So, no, man, oh, man, oh, man. I felt like it really held me back a lot. It held me back a lot because it made me, it caused me to be too too conservative instead of uh, letting go more, you know, because of the fear of I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I don't know what's on the other side. You know, the doctor says he's going to put you to sleep see in a few hours. You're like, yeah, all right, cool. I'll take your word for it, but I don't, you don't know what's on the other side, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's a... Right. That's an that that's an interesting perspective that I've never I, I I've never heard it described like that. Usually, people that describe that experience usually they just go, "It was a blink and you missed it moment," and I couldn't believe that it happened. But hearing somebody actually say, you know, that it that it changed the way that they approach the game is refreshing. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now I wanna I wanna switch gears a little bit. I know. You know, you you help you you work with Rose, help her prepare for her fights. How has that, how has that been? You know, just in terms of your dynamic from a relationship standpoint, both of you being fighters, both of you being in the business, uh, dealing with you know your respective trials and tribulations. How does that affect your day to day? You know, because because we because we both do it, because we both do it is why uh, is why I think is why it works out. Because we both are fighters, we both speak the same language right. to a certain extent. I mean, we both we both understand each other. We both understand what, what the other needs to a certain extent. Not completely. I don't always know what she needs. I don't know. But to a certain extent, you kind of, you know, because you both walk the same walk, you kind of get it. You know what I mean? Um, how, how did you take you her kinda, being on the ultimate? Like, you you kind of you understand. Nope, go ahead. Oh, sorry. That was awesome. Yeah, no, and I'm just saying, like, like, be, no, 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 no. Uh, because uh, because we do the same thing, we we understand each other. We understand each other a lot, so it, it it works that way. But at the same time, we just recently found out that sometimes it doesn't always work at the exact same time. Say, for instance, I was scheduled to fight the week after Rose's fight right. in Glory, and then I ended up. And during the training was tough. It was rough, and just I mean the training, but it, it just we if both of us are training for a fight at the exact same time. Then it means that one of us isn't taking care of the other. And gotcha. we are one hell of a team, I believe. Uh, we should like have a, we should like write a book on it. I don't know, man. I just think that, <laughs> I can't believe it works so much. We've got a system down. That kind of, it's not a system. I can't write this down. But we just knew that while one of us, if we're, if we're both trying to do this at the same, the exact same time that one of us isn't taking care of the other. And, at the moment, it would be a little bit strange if I was like, "All right, Rose, I guess you're gonna cancel your fight, right?" <laughs> you know what I mean? That right. would be stupid if I did that right now. Rose is absolutely, definitely the star of the show at the moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not at the moment. Just, when it comes to us, I'm done, man. It's it's been fun, and you know what she loves? She loves the fact that I can actually sit down now, and I don't have to go. And go and do. I can actually take a break. I actually got injured, and that's why I ended up stopping. Like canceling the fight that I was going to have the week after this one. That's that's why it didn't happen. But it was for the best, man. It just 
it was for the it was for the best. Like she's where it's at right now, man, and I'm supportive of that, like two thousand percent. You know. How did you how did you approach her going into the house for the Ultimate Fighter? I mean, I saw a lot of your vlogs and a lot of the stuff you were putting out, and, and I kn- I knew it was rough, but you know, just just talk us through that experience a little bit. Well, I mean, you know, it was one of those things where just like every other experience where you think it's the longest thing in the world and after it's over, you're like going, oh, man, that went by quick. Like, it took forever. It was just, it's, Rose and I have never been apart. Even when we're apart, we're still talking. We still have, we still talk all the time. We talk all day and night, whether it be text messages, FaceTime, regular talking, like, I mean, just however. If we're, uh, if we're, if we're some, she's in another country, we're separated somewhere. Like we're always in contact all the time. So to go since the day we met, since we met, yeah, I mean, since we, since this started, we've never not been in contact. And then to go instantly from bring you to the airport and FaceTime you to, all right, I got to get off the phone and bam, nothing for six weeks was crazy. I was, I was crazy. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't. I mean, really, didn't know what I was gonna do. It's a really shitty. It's a, it's a really scary scenario. Like people are like, oh man, stop being a little punk. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Shut up, y'all. My face. I realized. <laughs> I realized. I really don't know what to do by myself. You know what I mean? Yep, I don't. And hands. not just as a human being. I mean, I mean, not as a human being. I mean, she's my, she's my best friend. Like she's my, she's my best friend. <laughs> and and like. She's she's my everything. Like I didn't I, when she was gone. I was like, I guess I'm gonna sit here for a few weeks and not move. The dog didn't go outside. I just pissed on the carpet, man. I don't know. Like I, <laughs> I was a wreck, bro. I was a I was a wreck, man. It was. I mean, I eventually got up and moved around a little bit, but I was a wreck, man. Completely. I never never do that again. Never. It was, it was terrible. It was hard. It was rough, bro. But it was great at the exact same time because what it did was is it forced me. To actually sit there with myself, which I didn't know, I didn't know how to do. I mean, my everyday life was all about Rose and every Rose, and it was never just me. It was right. never just that. It was. I had no clue how to just be with me. I didn't even. I didn't know nothing. Well, I like to eat. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I like to because I didn't. I, I'm not interested in that. Maybe what do you want to do? You know what I mean? Right. Like it was really so. So it was. It was. It was. It was a great experience. Man. Well, being able now to, to, as you said, you know, kind of scale back and reflect and 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 watch her career unfold, how do you how do you feel seeing how the sport has evolved now with her in the UFC and you not? Do you feel that it's become more of a challenge, or is it still the same in your opinion? What do you mean? More? What's more of a challenge? In terms of she's in the sport now, when the sport is. Well, she's in the UFC now that the UFC has evolved, you know, with the Reebok deal and just the the way that it's just yeah. so evolved. It being, being more more of a challenge being in the UFC? Yeah, like, like in terms of do you feel that she has a more challenging road than you did? Not because of the exposure oh. of, of as a fighter, but oh, just because no, of absolutely. the organization. No, absolutely. 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 She has a more challenging road than I did. It's not easy. Never. Nothing with the best in this. Nothing's easy. Doesn't matter. Nobody's got it made, man. If you're gonna be in the UFC, you gotta work with the UFC. You gotta go through the grind, just like everybody else. And just the fact that you're in the UFC means that you've been grinding or just whatever. Doesn't matter if you've never had a fight before, blah blah blah. That. You're in the UFC. You're the number. You're one of the best on the planet. Yeah. You're gonna be one of the best on the planet. I don't know if the cameras change lately, 
Or the last show we just watched, watching Uriah Hall, watching Roy Nelson with a fat six pack. Oh like, yeah. Watching like watching all these people, they didn't look like they 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 no longer look like just people fighting anymore. Right. Athletes fight. Oh, in the UFC, huh? they look like superstars. They look like fucking superstars. Well, everybody, you know. everybody that was on there looked like they belonged there. Everybody that was on there, Chico Camus, Chico Camus, he's, he's been in the UFC. He's had fights, but does the whole world know who he is? No, no. not everybody. Right. But even that dude is in the UFC. That means he's a superstar, regardless of what he says, anybody else says, what they think. It doesn't matter. You're a superstar if you're in the UFC. And, it, and it's, just, it's become more and more obvious, especially over the last year. I don't know what it was, but we were at an event. They had a show. We were doing a viewing at a place. The restaurant was shut down on a Vegas. Last time we were in Vegas, they shut the whole restaurant down, man. Everybody was in a standard TV screaming, high-fiving each other, people not beefing with each other, everybody sharing drinks, watching the fights, not watching the football game, not cheering for the basketball game. They were watching the fight, fool. They was watching the UFC and people walking down the street, jumping up and asking what happened. They're sending tweets, taking pictures, everybody having a party, watching the fights. Not watching soccer, not the Olympics, not some stupid little winners. They were watching the UFC, but and the whole street was shutting down. That's, that's crazy. crazy. Yeah, that's, I, I mean that's this shit is huge. This is no longer and the UFC. You know, we're still growing. That was still kind of fucking growing. No nah, man, <laughs> shut up. This shit is big. This shit is big. Pay them all more money. This shit is huge now. They're no longer just. Athletes in the UFC, they're all fucking stars. Yeah, I watched when I watched that fight Saturday, and, and Roy Nelson came out. Even though they were fighting in Japan, they were the crowd was just going crazy for those guys. I mean, the, you know, you brought up the Uriah Hall fight, and that fight just just blew my mind. Only because Gegard Mousasi such such a killer, and and Uriah Hall just upset yep. the establishment real quick. Yep. Yeah, it blew my mind with, with that maneuver. Yep. You never know who can do it. Anybody can win. Anybody can lose. On any given day, you never know what's going to happen. All you can do is be yourself, do whatever you got to do in order to be prepared for a fight, and then throw everything you got at the most important. And hopefully, it works. But you never know. I did. I did want to ask how what, where you stand with regards to you know the everything with Reebok now. As far as I know, man, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, so as far as I don't know, as far as I know, I don't know. That's a terrible statement. But, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't see, I mean, at the moment, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's one of those unfortunate situations, man, where it's like, can't we, we can't say, can't say shit. And I can't explain it. You want to be in the UFC? I guess you got to go along with this UFC this Reebok deal. Well, and here's. If you can go along with the Reebok there, you might as well love it. But I guess I, <laughs> you can't do shit. Man, man, you know what? Nice bullshit, man. But we're still doing it. You still sign the contract. Well, you Shut know. Up and just deal with it, man. <laughs> well, you know, let me. I let guess. Me. Or, 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 or I can go totally bipolar opposite and say, pay those people more money, man. They're superstars. Pay right. everybody more money. Pay everybody. Pay me more money. Pay everybody more money. Everybody should get more money. They're the best on the planet. Give them more. Give them best on the planet more money. I just that's what I say. Or or the other, like I said, the other way around is hey, you sign the contract for the Reebok deal. Kind of got to shut up about it. Kind of. Right. Well, let me let me put it let me put it in a, in a, in, a, in a different light. When you 
when you were well, when even now fighting for for glory, how does you how do you approach sponsorship when you're when or or how do sponsors approach you for your fights? Um, I have a my management. Uh, they they they're the ones that handle that. So I'm not. I mean, he goes out and finds them, or they, he gets approached by them. I don't. I send everybody his way. I don't really know how that part goes. Gotcha. All right. Well, I fig- I, fig- I figured I'd throw that out there. The other thing I did want to mention, and, yeah. and one of our, you know, one of our listeners sent this my way. You know, Vanderlei, who who's you know one of the legends of the sport, has been very outspoken about the UFC as of late, um, to the point where you know some of the stuff he says is just really, really hard hitting. Do you feel that as the UFC has grown, it's become more of a trend for a lot of veteran fighters, seeing seeing how you know, it's so much easier for these guys on the come up to make more money. No, but it's not much, not necessarily much easier for these guys on the come up to make more money. Like it's just, it's not, it's not, it's just, it's just, it's not much. I mean, the prices of cheeseburgers go up every year. I mean, it's just, it's, prices go up. So money goes up. I mean, it's just right. As years go on, people, Hey bro, could you imagine if you were getting paid what they were getting paid in 1912 to do what you do now? Uh, Hell no, you, you can survive. You, wages, are, wages are good, and they're going to go up. Inflation or whatever the term is. I don't know, I'm a fighter. But I guess <laughs> it's going to happen, man. I mean, it's just like, but 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 no one's making better money. It's easier for them to make money. Now. I don't know, because still nobody's making, everybody's not making any dollars. Everybody's not making, everybody's not making, everybody's not, how is everybody not starting out 100 grand? Like, right. <laughs> everybody doesn't even start out hundred grand. I think they should do away with that whole you show money and you win money and just make it one check. I think people would fight a lot harder if they knew they were going to make fifty grand no matter what, not twenty five and twenty five. Like no matter win or lose, you're going to make fifty grand because I appreciate you. Not hey man, if you hey you show up and give me this much and go dance monkey and I'll give you another half maybe. I don't know. Like, just, <laughs> just stop. You got to go and earn that other half or or I earned it because I'm in this bitch. So give it to me. Like just a solid number. You know, right? Not, uh, I think I think that would make the fights more exciting. I think it'd be a lot more exciting if you had a solid number of fights. Contract is a ten, no matter what, or at least contract is a ten. Five will happen, no matter what. After that, we'll talk. Instead of contract is to five, you lose one, and won't like you. It's over. I, I don't even know if that still goes on anymore, or uh, whatever that whole thing. Like I just the thing. I don't know. I mean, I, but I don't know how the business works. I don't know what they're dealing with. I know that I can go off of what I think, and I think right. that they should give everybody more money. And well, that should be that. You shouldn't have to necessarily go out and, I need to go and find sponsors so I can get more money. Because you just get more money. Like, well, yeah, that's... that's of course, what, you're going to have sponsors, but... Well, that's huh? exactly why, you know, it, you painting it you painting it that way, that's, that's exactly what I was leaning towards. See, when... Before before the Reebok deal, everybody had their fair share of sponsors, and a lot of sp- fighters were very vocal, saying that prior to the Reebok deal, they were able to walk out with more money only because they were there was a litany of sponsors at their disposal versus now that they only got a wrap with the one. Yeah. So that's you know that's kind of where yeah. where I was going with that only because now guys that come in, it's like you know you got the quote unquote guaranteed Reebok check. And, you know, it's guaranteed money, whether it's a lot or a little, 
it's still guaranteed versus like you were saying fighting in you know 1996 97 into the early 2000s you had a fair amount of sponsors at your disposal you know right yeah you know but i don't know man it'd be cool if you didn't need the sponsor money it'd be cool if the sponsor money was just kind of like a bonus money right you know it'd be cool if it'd be cool if the sponsor money was just something that's like hustle and get as much as you can but it didn't have to be i need the sponsor money because after i lose if i lose this fight and only get paid three grand then my medical bills in order to have the fight with 3500 so oh, i'm out $500 to my fight in the ufc like i don't know i mean just like i said i, I know i've known of scenarios like that before i just think everybody should more money i just think so i'm always gonna say more money you know, but we can't it doesn't make any sense nope give them more money Fuck it. more more do you? Do I don't you know if people who are in the UFC. If you're in the UFC, you're considered the best in the world, and I just don't know if you. I don't know what's the what's the what's the what's the lowest paying check on the best in the world team of football, basketball, baseball, soccer. What's the lowest? Who who gets paid the lowest on the best in the world team? <laughs> in football, yeah, guys probably are still walking out of there with two hundred and fifty grand, a hundred grand, easy. All right, then everyone should start out with that. I think everybody everybody should start out with a hundred thousand dollars. Then you know who shut up? A whole bunch of people. Instead right. of being, you know, you're going to get five and five minutes fight. It's 105 and 105 minutes fight. You know, something. Right. I, no, I, I get just some, Just something. But just, just $100,000 raise. Instead of starting out at 10 and 10, or just starting out at 10, start out at 110. You know, and then go up from there. But we can't afford it. I don't care. Pay them. So, pay them. Pay them. Just, just give them. So what? They're the best. If you're the best in the world, then what are other... What other what other teams in the you know like I said who's getting paid the lowest on these other high level top level sports like what kind of checks are they getting? Right. Yeah. yeah because even a rook even a rookie coming in is still coming in with a with a decent you know with a decent at least six figure starting number. I get what you're saying. Yeah, man. Even even a fool who don't play never. All you do is you get paid two hundred grand to show up here and be a practice just to be a practice teammate for other people. That's all you do. That's awesome. Even the guy who never plays ever, you don't even know he's playing for the Saints. Even that guy is making two hundred grand a year. Hey, and that's fine. Say if you first start out in the UFC and you fight four times that year, you know what I mean? But don't get any bonuses. <laughs> I mean, would you make a total of thirty thousand dollars, maybe? Well, yeah, it's like you said, grand, fifty grand, maybe. By setting by setting the yeah, stage higher, guys would fight harder because I mean. When they were doing knockout of the night, fight of the night, I mean that was money that was nice. And I know, hell, you you got you got fight of the night for for the Moorcraft fight, and you got the um, mm-hmm. knockout of the night on, on the Shane Del Rosario fight. So I mean, it's nice. But going back to what you said, coming in coming in with a decent chunk of change, you were going to fight hard regardless. You know, then at that point, the bonus would have just been oh, that. About, yep. And how about that shit? How about how about how about how about Bonus every fight. Who was that? I'm like, all right, we got 14 people fighting tonight. We're going to give one knockout check. <laughs> and we're going to give one performance check away. Out. That's it. Right, all right motherfuckers. Go fight. You know what I mean? <laughs> Why not everybody get some type of something? I don't know. I mean, just, or just give everybody 100 grand. I just pop it. I don't know. Just give them more money, man. Just, I don't know. If it's just, I'm, like, when it comes to other sports, I mean, I know this is a very individual sport, but I just, I don't know, man. I don't know if this is how it's supposed to be. I just think 
with as big as the sport is nowadays. I just, I don't know. I'd like someone to explain to me why. Or I would like to know what the real-life explanation is as to why people are getting contracted to the UFC starting out at 6-6. Six and six. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's real crazy. So six six grand goes goes between training your corner and travel probably and any medical expenses. Am I right to say that? Yeah, no, yes, man. And, and then you only get two plane tickets to come into a fight and one hotel room. So if you're a heavyweight and you're on team death clutch, then it's you, Marty Morgan, who weighs two fifty and is six foot four, Cole <laughs> Cole Conrad, who weighs three hundred and seventy pounds and six foot four, another big white dude I don't know, and me, <laughs> little sweet pet with one with one toilet. Oh and Jesus! And snore like big giant wrestlers. Like you know what I mean? So what do you do? You have to get another room for somebody else, and they all eat like monsters. So. You got to give them some money and pay for that food, and, you, and then you only get two plane tickets. So if you have three cornermen, you got to fly two people in. If you fight in Australia, maybe you only have one cornerman for that fight. Wow, maybe that's what I did. That's I mean, crazy. Like you're buying a ticket to, a, yeah, the UFC tells you you're gonna fight in Australia, and you're like, oh, I'm fighting a judoka. Okay, but I've only got a boxing coach. I've got to bring another coach in. How much is that ticket to Australia? Two grand. Oh, how much am I getting paid for this fight? Two and two. Oh, damn. Wow. <laughs> I need to get an MRI, blood test, MRI, a CAT scan. Uh, I need to get a physical. I need to get a, how much is all that? The two grand. Uh, okay. All right. How many sponsors do I get? None. All right. I am excited about this fight. <laughs> no, I am ready to fight hard. That's crazy. I mean, it, you know, you're painting. You're you painting. I mean, everybody says, you, keep, you know what? Keep on winning. And your money's just gonna go up. And it's like, all right, cool. But what if everybody keeps on winning? Right. If everybody always wins and no one loses, that they give everybody the money. Because you can't keep on. If you keep on winning, money's just gonna go up. That's awesome. That's not gonna happen for everybody. I was in the USC for a few years. I had a lot of painful fights, and I ended off at twenty-five and twenty-five. That's like, crazy. Well, but you won bonuses, hey man. You know, yeah, I did. That's, yeah, because I fought my heart out just because someone thought I was like really cool that night and gave it to me. I don't know, but I ended off at twenty five and twenty five. Like, I didn't end off retired. Right. I didn't end off. I didn't end off like everybody's comfortable and relaxed. No, no, it doesn't. No, you just don't. It just, you, you don't end off that way because the dollars that you're making or enough to make it to the next fight at the moment. Do you, you know? do you see yourself ever going back to MMA or do you feel that kickboxing? Oh where... yeah, I'm actually, yeah, no, I, mean, I would definitely do that. Like absolutely do that again, man. That's, that's, that's something that I'm looking forward to again one day, but just at the moment. And I've actually got to kind of cut this down a little bit because of the time that I hit the bed, man. No, um, no, it's fine. At the moment, yeah, at the moment, like this is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting down. I got to let the body heal. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Well, with, well, with right, that, well, with that, I know that you, you got to help Rose prep and you guys got to turn in over there. Uh, where can people find you, follow you, and, and keep up with you? Website, social media? Well, you can find me at hype or die at uh, yahoo.com, on email at hype or die on Twitter, at hype or die on Instagram. I don't know what it is on Facebook, but I'm sure it's on there somewhere, Pat Barry, one of those pages. But oh, Rose, follow her. Yeah, Rose, Rose fights this Namunis weekend. In fighting 
Saturday against Angela Hill, UFC 192, right? That's yep, right. Follow her at, at Rosemary Units on Twitter, Instagram, Doug Rose on Facebook, all that other stuff, man. Just get in touch. Send some love. Send some good wishes and vibes. Or send some hate. It doesn't matter. You know? Awesome. I, Pat, I'll make sure to share all those links in the show notes. I really appreciate you taking the time out, especially so close to Rose's fight. And um, hopefully we'll do it again, man. I'll be in touch. Yeah, you're right. Cool, man. Thank you, bro. All right, brother. Take care of yourself. Bye. Bye. There you go. That was Pat Barry at HyperDie on Twitter, at HyperDie on Instagram. Make sure to tune in to the UFC card this weekend, which I'm going to get into in our MMA segment to watch Rose Namajunas square off against Angela Hill. I'm looking forward to that fight. Like I said, guaranteed fireworks. I'll make sure to include all of Pat's social media links, uh, even even his email, <laughs> if, if he wants that out. I'll just make sure to confirm that first on the show notes. But again, give him a follow on social media. Let him know you caught him on MTR. I'm sure he'll love to hear from you. He's always socially engaged on all platforms. So definitely give him a follow, like, whatever the case may be. Well, with that, we are going to switch some gears and jump into the other MMA news of the week. I want to go through Ultimate Fight Night briefly and some of the other MMA news, and I kind of want to touch on the John Jones situation and also cover some wrestling. So with that, let's get this ball rolling and jump into some MMA, shall we? All right, so I want to talk about UFC Fight Night because obviously Saitama Arena in Japan, a lot of fighters fighting in Japan always say that it's an incredible experience. You had an amazing main event with Roy Nelson and Josh Barnett. I'm a big fan of the War Master. I have enjoyed his work going back to the old days of the UFC, Pride, Strike Force. I've even watched him wrestle in an actual wrestling match in Japan on Access TV on New Year's Eve on more than one occasion. So I was really excited to seeing him and Roy Nelson square off, and I will get into that fight. There are a couple of other fights I want to touch on real quick. Um, first and foremost, I do want to talk about uh, Diego Brandao's performance against Katsunori Kikuno, a uh, really tremendous performance by Diego Brandao, uh, securing a TKO uh, in the first round. Really impressive. Diego Brandao is a guy that at featherweight is always known for being an aggressive fighter, and he definitely lived up to the hype coming in there. Um, he had a slight uh, disadvantage. He was about an inch or so shorter than Kakuno, but um, he did have a longer reach, which definitely showed as he worked the, the swarm in, especially towards the end of the round. Um, it was crazy because they had a couple of exchanges. Brandao just swarmed in. And took him, you know, got him against the fence. And at that point, it was pretty much academic with a beautiful TKO stoppage via punches. Uh, Brandao now definitely has a very, very high possibility of getting a fight that may get him into some title contention. I mean, the guy has a 19-10 and 10 record coming in. Uh, definitely does not disappoint. And he looked really, really impressive in that fight. I'm curious to see who they give him next at featherweight. Um, 
I'm really, like I said, I was really hyped for that fight. I enjoyed the pacing, and I definitely enjoyed the finish. I thought it was um, just a super exciting fight in a brief amount of time. And as the card wore on, I definitely got to say that the other fights, they, they had their fair share of decisions, but the middleweight fight between Uriah Hall and Gegard Mousasi that Pat and I um, touched on during the interview was a fight that definitely got everybody talking. Uh, a couple of reasons being, obviously, Gegard Mousasi is a tremendous, tremendous force in the middleweight division and definitely showed it in the early going, really being aggressive in the first round to where I pretty much thought it was going to be uh, just a, an academic finish for the dream catcher. But uh, Uriah Hall definitely played the role of spoiler, which goes back to what I was saying last week when I gave my picks for the fight, where I said that, you know, it, it, for Musasi, it's going to be a, a solid fight and a solid win. But if Uriah Hall were to beat him, especially in devastating fashion, he would write his own ticket. And sure enough, that's more or less what happened. Uh, Gegard Musasi got caught by a beautiful spinning back kick by Uriah Hall. And um, it was it was just tremendous because the kick connected, hit Gegard Musasi in the face. And rather than use the typical swarm with a flurry of punches for the finish, Uriah Hall actually ran in and secured a fly. You know, he hit a flying knee to boot and then went in with the punches. It was a very, very highlight real laden finish for Uriah Hall. Uh, really, really impressive. I think that Uriah Hall not only put the middleweight division on notice, but definitely is trying to shed the moniker that we've touched on before where he is, you know, a point fighter or he fights very safe. Uh, very excited to see the finish. Um, I'm sure Musasi will bounce back, but Uriah Hall definitely punched the ticket into getting himself a top five opponent before the middle of 2016, if not sooner. Now, I want to go into the main event. The main event was a five-round slugfest between two impressive heavyweights, uh, number 11-ranked Roy Nelson, number 8-ranked Josh Barnett. Now, many people were looking at this fight with the possibility of it leading to some sort of a title contention for whoever came out the victor. Don't know if the UFC is going to look at the fight in the same light that I did, but I will definitely say that these guys are fucking warriors. They went in there and had a tremendous performance, um, both in terms of technique and just in terms of conditioning and endurance, only because we know that each fighter was definitely a guy that has the potential to finish a fight quickly, and they definitely did not do that, but there was just some incredible striking, really, really hard shots. And the thing that everyone talks about and definitely was reinforced in this fight is that Roy Nelson has an iron chin because he ate some nasty shots from Josh Barnett. Josh Barnett was incredibly aggressive, especially up against the fence, using the clinch a lot of times and definitely made uh, great use of uppercuts in the dirty boxing exchanges. But to counter that, Roy Nelson had a decent number of takedowns, which he secured in, in pretty, pretty smooth fashion, considering that, you know, Josh Barnett is the guy that does the, the catch wrestling. I expected to see more of a, a more, well, let me rephrase that. I was expect, expecting to see aggressive transitions from Barnett 
to secure top mount and finish the fight that way, given his catch wrestling background. But these guys definitely really knew how to weather each other's storms in, in varying in varying moments across all 25 minutes. But I came away from that fight extremely entertained. Josh Barnett um, really pushed. He really pushed the pace, but Roy Nelson just would not go down. The Japanese fans appreciated it. Josh Barnett, of course, delivered, uh, as usual, just a stellar post-fight interview. Not his typical pro-wrestling-inspired craziness, but just a genuine appreciation for fighting in Japan. And as somebody who's been following his career for a long time, I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with the performance of both guys. Even Roy Nelson in losing came away as just a guy that is is a, per, a, a consistent threat at heavyweight. And I only found out earlier this evening that he actually broke his hand in that fight as well. So it just shows what kind of heart and what kind of grit Roy, big country Roy Nelson has. Now, like I said, where they go from here remains to be seen. I would have thought if the fight would have ended in a decisive fashion, we could have possibly seen a guy getting into some sort of title contention, but I don't think that is going to be the case. But wherever Josh Barnett goes for his next fight, I'm sure it's going to be against a top five opponent for sure. All right, let's jump into the MMA news of the week. A couple of things I wanted to put out there. $50,000 bonuses for UFC Fight Night 75 were handed out. Uh, performance bonuses went to Josh Barnett, Uriah Hall, Diego Brandao, and Keita Nakamura. Now, as I we were talking with Pat Barry, these are no longer submission or fight of the night bonuses. These are just performance bonuses that are handed out. But again, you know, when it comes to our discussions about payroll, I only wish I would have had the Fight Night 75 payroll to discuss it at length. Unfortunately, I was not able to get that information before we went on air. But $50,000 bonuses were handed out. And like I said, Barnett, Hall, Brandau, and Nakamura all took home an additional $50,000. Ronda Rousey's in the news this week for appearing in the Forbes 40 Under 40. Of course, Forbes ranks people under the age of 40 who are measured by their wealth, power, achievement, ambition, and influence. She came in at number 40, uh, courtesy of earning an estimated $5 million from fighting alone. In addition to that, she also has film work under her belt, including Fast and Furious 7, Entourage, and Expendables 3. Um, It's been said that her influence is quote-unquote broadening fast, including citing her appearance from WrestleMania 31 and um, being played on stage by Beyonce during a concert earlier in September. Now, the thing that gets me is that Forbes said that she made an estimated $5 million from fighting alone, but the crazy thing is that she joins... Uh, you know, a bunch of notable athletes and celebrities and musicians, including Taylor Swift, John Oliver, Jessica Alba. But it should be noted that she is the only professional athlete on that list. And seeing that obviously is huge for MMA, but seeing that she cracked the Forbes 40 under 40, even if it was in the number 40 slot, just shows that. It's not only about MMA. It's about building a brand. And Ronda Rousey is not only a fighter, an entertainer, an actress, depending on who you ask, but she has created a brand in in, in her own right. Looking at, you know, commercials, 
books, movies, etc. You know, the brand is Ronda Rousey, and she has reached a point where, yeah, the UFC is her vehicle for success, but it's becoming a smaller vehicle because of her constant exposure in other outlets between acting and, you know, public speaking, books. She's definitely carving a niche out for herself for her post-fight career. And as I've said before, Ronda Rousey's post-fight career is going to be very interesting given the fact that if she does, for whatever reason, retire undefeated, it is a very, very huge accolade to have that I'm sure will continue to open many doors. So there you go. Ronda Rousey cracks the 40 under 40 for Forbes. All right. I want to give you guys some fight predictions for this weekend's UFC card. I also am going to get into the John Jones situation and um, we'll shift gears and go into wrestling. But I want to go through the fights on the prelims and the main card and give you guys my picks. Uh, The preliminary card is going to be on Fox Sports 1 at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Angela Hill, Rose Namajunas is the opening fight on that card. Uh, Alan Juban, Albert Temenov, uh, Daniel Hooker, and Yara Rodriguez. Ali Baganoff and Joseph Benavidez is your main event on the prelims. Your main event card is going to be Jessica Ayan, the returning Juliana Pena for your opener. Sean Jordan will be taking on Ruslan Magomedov. Ryan Bader will be taking on the returning Rashad Evans. Johnny Hendricks will be taking on Tyron Woodley, which I'm sure is going to have title implications. And, of course, Daniel Cormier will be defending his light heavyweight title against Alexander Gustafson. So, let's start with the preliminary fights. Uh, Angela Hill versus Rose Namajunas. Uh, Angela Hill has tremendous striking and has a pretty impressive a pretty impressive stand-up game. But Rose Namajunas comes in with a more complete toolkit, in my opinion. This does not, you know, I'm not even going in this direction because of our interview with Pat, but if you've seen Rose's fights on The Ultimate Fighter and in Invicta, you'll see that she not only has solid striking, but brings an incredible submission game to the table as well. Just look up her flying armbar submission victory, and you will understand. Um, The thing is that for an opener, it is definitely a great prelim opener and will definitely be exciting. I think that both ladies have a lot to prove coming out of The Ultimate Fighter, But I do have a feeling that if it's a solid performance, you're going to start seeing title talk for if Rose comes out of this, uh, the victor, there's definitely going to be title talk, especially if the victory is decisive. So keep an eye out on that fight, because that fight is definitely going to have fireworks Uh, between Alan Juban and Albert Temenov. I am going to go with Alan Juban only because I've only seen Albert Temenov, I believe. On in a YouTube fight, and I don't believe it was for the UFC, but Alan Juban definitely is not a guy that is a pushover in, by any stretch, so I'm going to go with Alan Juban as my pick for this fight. I'm actually contemplating doing um, some DraftKings for this or counter move for this card just because a lot of fights can go either way, and I might, I might make a little money in the process. We'll see what happens. I'll keep you guys posted. Uh, Daniel Hooker taking on De- Yara Rodriguez. I'm going with Daniel Hooker in this fight. Uh, Ali Baganoff versus Joseph Benavidez. I, I gotta give I gotta give the the nod here to Joe Benavidez only because he he's a guy that's always talked about 
being one fight away from title contention, and he always has exciting fights. So I'm going to go with him as my pick for this fight. Now, Jessica I and Juliana Pena. Uh, Juliana Pena is coming off a very long layoff due to injury. Uh, Jessica I always is very, very dangerous. It's a toss-up because, like I said, Jessica I can come in there and dismantle Juliana Pena very quickly, given that she's just the more experienced fighter. But Juliana Pena has not been in the cage for a long time, and she's had a lot of time to watch tape, fine-tune her technique, and hone her craft. So it's tough, but I'm going to go with Jessica I strictly on experience and because Juliana Pena may have ring rust going in. I'm sure I may, I, I'm even though I want I'm going with Jessica I it's it's a it's a 50-50 endorsement but I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go with Ju, with Jessica I as my pick for that fight. Sean Jordan and Ruslan Ruslan Magomedov. Um I'm going to go with Sean Jordan because just he, he's a very solid fighter, uh very well-rounded, good stand-up and I think that he's a guy that is has the potential to deliver a very exciting fight. Uh, Ruslan Magomedov, I think I've seen some tape, and only because I was doing research for the show this week. But I'm going to go with Sean Jordan based on the fact that I've seen more of his fights, and I feel that he definitely has the tools to secure a victory rather quickly, especially on the stand-up. Now, Ryan Bader and Rashad Evans... Yeah, that's a toss-up. Again, much like the Jessica I-Juliana Pena fight, you're taking a guy who has a very solid toolkit in Rashad Evans against Ryan Bader, who has solid wrestling, very, very crisp stand-up. I mean, I do I do feel that Rashad Evans definitely has better stand-up, but I also don't know how Rashad Evans is going to come into this fight, given that he's been out for so long. Are we going to see... Uh, the same Sugar Rashad Evans that came in with really crisp striking, or are we going to see more of a grappling contest given that both guys are such solid wrestlers? I want to give the benefit of the doubt here, and I want to give the, the the victory to Rashad Evans. Now, people are going to say, you know, you didn't want to give it to Juliana Pena because of the layoff, etc. While Ryan Bader is an exciting fighter and a talented fighter, I feel that Rashad Evans just has, you know, that veteran craftiness that may give him the edge in this fight. Now, do I see it being a fight that's going to go all three rounds? I definitely do not think so. I think that if it stays standing, I do feel that the edge definitely goes to Rashad. Rashad's going to come in there, use a lot of quick jabs, really use that to set up some takedowns. But I think that the majority of the work for Rashad at least for now, will be done on the feet. We shall see what happens. Johnny Hendricks and Tyron Woodley is really a toss-up for a multitude of reasons. Both guys can finish the fight standing. Uh, Both guys have solid ground game. And as much as I want to say that this is Tyron Woodley's time, I do feel that Johnny Hendricks has just a smidge more knockout power and may go in there to try and finish the fight quickly, decisively, and aggressively to get himself a title opportunity. We'll see how that goes, but I am going with Johnny Hendricks for this fight. Now, championship title fight, Cormier, Alexander Gustafson. There's a lot of factors at play here. Obviously, 
the big specter of John Jones looms large over this fight, and the victor will probably go on to face Jones sometime in 2016. Now, there's a lot of good story on both fronts. Alexander Gustafson, of course, has the opportunity to go in there and play, you know, spoiler, capture the gold and have a fight with John Jones and hopefully secure the victory that many felt he was deprived of in their original fight. In Daniel Cormier's case, you have a guy that has a genuine beef with John Jones and also can sell the fight more effectively than Gustafson can. Now, we don't know what John Jones necessarily has been doing. Many people have said that he has been training, but I do feel that the stress and the rigors of these court proceedings probably have shifted his focus somewhat. Do I feel that Cormier can face jo- go on to face Jones and successfully defend his title? It pains me to say it, but no. But instead of looking ahead, I want to look at this fight a little closer. Alexander Gustafson, of course, has the height and reach advantage. But when it comes to overall brute strength and wrestling, Daniel Cormier definitely is ahead of the class in that regard. If Gustafson is able to keep the fight on the feet and utilize his long limbs, I do see him possibly playing the role of spoiler. But if Cormier is able to utilize the the ability his ability to close the distance, especially up against the fence and with some dirty boxing exchanges, he does have the potential to defeat Gustafson if the fight were to go into close quarter territory. With that said, I do, it pains me to say it, but I do see Alexander Gustafson squeaking out a victory for in this case. And the reason I say this is because the Mauler has a lot more to prove, has a lot more tools at his disposal, and he has the reach to definitely keep Daniel Cormier at bay. And with that said, even though decisions do most times favor the champion, in this instance, I feel that Gustafson is going to utilize his long limbs to not only effectively close the distance, but perhaps even work in a little bit of a tie clinch and possibly secure victory that way. I am going with Gustafson for this fight as much as I'm sure people are going to give me a lot of shit. I just feel that Gustafson has more on the line and has a, a more expanded toolkit than Daniel Cormier in this instance. Again, I could always be wrong. With that said, I do I do want to address the John Jones situation. I'm going to go into it a little bit, and we will use that to close out the MMA segment this week. Um, as I said at the top of the show, you know, John Jones dodged a bullet going to jail. Um, it was crazy. He avoided jail time. He is now... On conditional release with probation, he will serve 18 months of supervised probation and will be required to make 72 speaking appearances. On top of that, he will be receiving uh, drug scre- drug and alcohol screenings as well. Now, for as, if you are not familiar with what happened, uh, John Jones struck a car that was driven by a pregnant woman. He actually fled the scene of the accident on foot and... Um, took a bunch of cash and memorabilia. Well, let me rephrase that. Took a bunch of cash and left a bunch of memorabilia in the car. Um, as a result of that, 
and John Jones later turning himself in, the UFC was forced to strip him of the light heavyweight title and suspend him. Now, the thing is, and, and this is what we have to look at. First things first, money. And I say this because if you're a regular schmo, and, and I've said this before, if you're a regular schmo and you commit the same crime that John Jones committed and you don't have the bankroll that John Jones has, you are going to fucking jail. I'm sorry, but you are. Unless you have the best public defender in the game, you are probably going to jail. But money is the money is the money is the great motivator in this case. And John Jones definitely had a good lawyer and was able to skirt some severe consequences due to his actions. Now, in terms of looking at this from a business standpoint, the UFC, I'm sure, is elated that this situation is behind them because it allows them to not only have John Jones reinstated, but also sets up the inevitable showdown between John Jones and the victor of this weekend's light heavyweight light heavyweight title fight. Hell, we might even see John Jones there this weekend. Who knows? But at the end of the day, he went, he was tried, he was found obviously guilty, but not but let me rephrase that. He pled guilty, but he did so and escaped serious jail time. And what people when people look at this, they automatically say, and I've saw and I've seen it particularly on social media, that it was a quote unquote miscarriage of justice. And while the woman was injured and did suffer a broken arm, you know, knock on wood, she did not lose her child. She didn't lose her baby. And um, you know, it could it could have been substantially worse. Now it makes you wonder had that happened again, you know, obviously not wishing the worst, but had that happened, would John Jones have been able to escape as Scott? Not, let me rephrase that. Not as Scott free as he did, but would he have had to endure more severe punishment? Obviously there's a lot of what if scenarios there, but I do feel that had that been the case and something more serious had, had happened, John Jones definitely would have at least served some sort of jail time. But, alas, that was not the case. Slick says his dumbass should have stayed there. Bruce Jenner killed his neighbor in a car accident. He stayed on the scene and got off with a misdemeanor. See, I, I understand that, but as I've said before, and many of you that have heard my numerous exchanges with Ben know this, John Jones probably ran from the scene because he either had drugs on him or drugs in him. Period. That's that's the only reason. As soon as he as soon as the accident happened, he probably said, "Shit, I got some some drugs in here, some serious shit, and I'm going to jail." So, he figured, "Fuck it, let me make a run for it and hope for the best." Not the smartest thing to do, but alas, it's what he did and it was definitely not the right thing to do. I feel that you know, I just feel that in his case, had he stayed, maybe he could have hidden the drug paraphernalia or whatever, or maybe he wouldn't have looked like he was under the influence of anything, but he would have stayed. The cops would have came. Is everybody okay? The woman would have gone to the hospital. John Jones would have filed a police report, an accident report, etc. 
Maybe he would have been tested for, maybe he would have had a tox screening, maybe not. But I think that it wouldn't have escalated to the point where he would have been stripped of the title and suspended from the sport. Now, what happens next remains to be seen. But I will say this, whatever, whatever whoever he fights next, there's going to be a huge turnout for a multitude of reasons. Obviously, people are going to see if he's still the same fighter he was before all this craziness happens and if he can climb on top of the mountain, if he can bounce back from this quote-unquote adversity and be the fighter that the UFC wants him to be. I don't know where you know how that's going to pan out, but I will say that when he does fight, I'm definitely going to watch with much interest. Simple as that. All right. With that said, that is going to wrap up the MMA segment for this week. As always, I've given you my take on MMA. I'd love to hear yours. Hit us up on social media. If, if you agreed or disagreed with anything I just said in this week's MMA segment, I would definitely love to hear from you. With that, let's switch gears. Let's jump into this week's wrestling. We got to talk about Raw and the wrestling news of the week and wrap things up. Booker T, take us away. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! All right, I wanted to get the ball rolling with Raw this week because Raw, and and it's crazy, but Raw just has not been as good as it should be. I actually f- totally forgot that Hell in the Cell was the next pay-per-view only because there's been so much other shit going on that has zero bearing on the overall pay-per-view that it just, just didn't matter. Anyway, as usual, I'm going to try and just not do the old match-by-match recap, but I want to talk about some of the high points and low points of Raw this week. First off, might as well start with the good news, the high points. I got to say that the New Day continues to impress every week. Subtle subtle tweaks, subtle touches, subtle improvements, not only in their ring work, but just their overall character makes them an entertaining thing to watch every week on Raw. Not only that, but I also got to say it was a high point because we got to see Xavier Woods wrestle. Now, Xavier Woods is a very, very solid, solid wrestler. I mean, his run in TNA as Consequences Creed alongside uh, Black Machismo Jay Lethal was tremendous. On top of that, it shows that he can hold his own in 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 most instances. Now, I don't know I don't understand honestly why we don't see him as much in the ring, but I will say that when he is in there, you are seeing some solid solid ring work. In this case, of course, the New Day answered the John Cena US title open challenge, and I got to say Xavier Woods he he looks solid out there, man. I think if the match wouldn't have broken down to the point where we would have got a uh, a new six-man tag match out of the deal, we could have seen a very, very solid outing for Xavier Woods. But I had a feeling that as the the match progressed, 
that we were going to go into six-man tag territory. And again, the New Day were the high point, not only because they had great wrestling, but because they were able to mix it up effectively, not only with the Dudley boys, but with John Cena. It just shows that this this trio, even though initially their gimmick was god-awful, took something that was terrible and ran with the ball and just made it extremely entertaining both in the ring and out of the ring. So definitely kudos to the New Day for being part of some of the uh, the high points of Raw this week. Now, on the low on the low side, I do got to say that this Kane multiple personality bullshit is just like I I said last week and I will reiterate it this week. It's just it's not good. And the fact that you're putting Seth Rollins in what's going to be a title defense against Kane at this stage of the game, it's it's not good for Seth Rollins in a, in an era and in a in a roster where there are so many talented wrestlers that could make that bump up to the main event slot. It's really painful to see Seth Rollins essentially deal in a placeholder feud with Kane. Again, not to not to take anything away from Kane, but I just feel that it really does hurt Rollins overall getting into a title into a title feud with Kane of all people. It's just not good, not in the least. Definitely one of the low points. I also want to say that the big show gets the uh, the low point of Raw this week because again, sacrificing Mark Henry, Cesaro, and a plethora of other solid mid-card talent to make the big show look like a threat for this Saturday's match with Brock Lesnar is stupid. And I say this because Mark Henry still, even now, is a credible, credible mid-card guy. Hell, Mark Henry is even a solid main event guy, but at this at this stage of the game, the ship has sailed, and using him as fodder for the big show, again, doing more harm than good, both for from a plot development standpoint and even just as a wrestler, because the big show, even if he did not have the, the, the quote-unquote jobbing out matches that he had these last two weeks, he would still have generated interest because it's always interesting to see the big show in there with a guy like Brock Lesnar. We know that there is going to be crazy, crazy feats of strength, whether it's Brock Lesnar giving Big Show a German suplex or an F5 or an or a top rope superplex. We're going to see something solid. And you didn't need to sacrifice two decent mid-card hands to reinforce that. So definitely got to throw that out there. I also got to say that the Bellas or Team Bella are just lost out there, especially without the belt, because even though they're trying to drive a wedge even further between Team PCB, I do I do stand by the fact that the main thing that people should concern themselves with is the belt, and that continues to not be the case. Instead, the focus remains on Team Bella, and in, to some respect, Page, which I know is leading to the inevitable triple threat match between Charlotte, Nikki Bella, and Paige, but the thing that bothers me is that Becky Lynch and even the women, the ladies from Team Bad just get lost in the shuffle because even when they're not in the title picture holding the title, the Bellas are the ones that eat up the most TV time. So definitely not cool in the least. 
I was also upset that the um, primetime players took a loss this week to the Wyatt family, but I understand the reasoning for it. Obviously, they're trying to make Braun Strowman and Luke Harper just a, a, a dominant force in the tag team division, which I don't mind. Now, is that going to be something that we will be seeing in the future? Don't know because they're too busy, you know, fighting with Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose. But if you are going to run with a tag team of Strowman and Harper, I do got, I do have to say that Strowman and Harper, as an addition to the already stacked tag team roster, is not a bad thing. On the contrary, if you keep Strowman's ring time brief and allow Harper to go in there and continue to impress like he does week in and week out, I could see them making not only a successful run at the tag team titles, but capturing the tag team titles. Simple as that. And I, I have to say that I think Strowman and Harper would have some very, very solid and very violent matches with the Dudleys. That's for damn sure. So definitely a high point for those guys this week. Now, in terms of, you know, Ryback, Rusev, and Kevin Owens, they, they're, they're in the kind of the 50-50 column this week. And the reason I say this is because having Rusev's focus shift to the IC title is going to help wash away the stench of his feud with Dolph Ziggler. We're obviously going to see Dolph Ziggler in the mix, but I would rather see Dolph Ziggler in the mix with Rusev and Kevin Owens and be for a title than be for Lana and Summer Rae. Because as I said before, that, that feud was doing neither guy any favors, but you throw in a title in the mix, and suddenly their matches don't seem that unbearable or repetitive. So... Hopefully, that's where we're going with this. I think that Kevin Owens as IC champ is definitely a step in the right direction. And I also feel that Ryback chasing for the title is going to help him not only connect better with the fans, but also just allow him to work with a you know with an impressive roster of solid mid-card talent that will help him be better and not be as robotic as he's been in his last few outings. Simple as that. Now, the the ending of Raw and, and how that went down was probably the, the highest point of the night for me. And the reason is because Roman Reigns has done a tremendous job of turning the crowd around during his feud with the Wyatt family. There are a couple of things that have come out of this. Roman Reigns, as I said, turned the crowd around. Not only that, but it increased the the potential for not only a Roman Reigns heel turn that will be shocking to everyone, but also as a great opportunity for Dean Ambrose to show that he belongs in in feuds of this caliber. Because as far as as far as I'm concerned, in in this grand scheme of things, when it comes to this feud, the guys who are going to come away benefit who are going to come away with the most with the most benefits are going to be Dean Ambrose, Bray Wyatt, and Strowman and Harper. And the reason I say this is because these guys have been mixing it up for the last couple of weeks, and every time they've gone out there, they've shown us something a little different, whether it be from a promo standpoint, whether it be from an in-ring standpoint. We are seeing continued development from all parties. Hell, the ending between Roman Reigns and and Bray Wyatt's match with them just destroying the announce table 
and just being in a crumpled heap shows that there's still fire in that feud and seeing them possibly squaring off in hell in the cell, which I believe was confirmed shows that this feud is only going to escalate further. And that's not necessarily bad because Bray Wyatt needs to be engaged in feuds with guys who are in the upper card because it's going to show that as a main event player, he is capable of carrying a long-term storyline. And his work with Roman Reigns has been solid. I mean, his work with Dean Ambrose was solid. But again, the big payoff here is seeing Bray Wyatt get moved to the main, you know, to the main event slot. Because honestly, I, it would be very interesting to see a guy like Bray Wyatt challenging for a WWE championship. Only because you're taking a guy whose belief system is is made and defined by chaos and anarchy. And what better way to cause anarchy than to capture the most coveted prize in the WWE and essentially hold it hostage? It would make for very, very engaging television. And above all, it would add something unique and different that we have not seen before. Overall, Raw was very paint-by-numbers, very academic this week, but it had its fair share of high spots. Now, with that said, wrestling as a whole this week was pretty, pretty quiet. A couple of decent things happened. Of course, everybody is watching uh, the inevitable SmackDown debut on the USA Network. A lot of news outlets are reporting that we are going to see an increased focus on SmackDown in January when it debuts on USA. Uh, We may see, obviously, a new set and just a renewed push to make SmackDown on par with Raw. That's not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. On the contrary, it it, it would definitely help SmackDown not be viewed as the B-show and be viewed as just another, another way to consume wrestling that's on par with raw usually many wrestling fans myself included look at raw and smackdown like this raw for entertainment value smackdown for wrestling that's usually how i look at it but over the last couple of weeks it's been a little bit of wrestling a lot of recapping from monday and that's pretty much it smackdown definitely needs a refresh a shot in the arm and hopefully the move to USA is just what the doctor ordered to make that happen. Now, I do want to talk about Lucha Underground this week. Last week, I reported that Lucha Underground was getting a second season on the El Rey Network. A uh, big rumor that's been swirling around and picking up a lot of steam is that Rey Mysterio would be signing with Lucha Underground and would be getting a big push as the company's main star. Now, the thing is, you know, I think... Seeing Rey Mysterio and Lucha Underground is definitely going to increase the profile for that show, but I also feel that Rey Mysterio's involvement will breathe just fresh air into that roster as a whole because you're getting an established guy that's worked for numerous companies that knows the ins and outs of the business and has the potential to create not only new stars with some of the feuds he can have in Lucha Underground, but also put a lot of other uh, put a lot of other organizations on notice with some of the talent that Lucha Underground has. I mean, seeing Rey Mysterio mix it up with um, somebody like Drago or Mil Muertes or Angelico or Son of Havoc is definitely going to make for some good television. I mean, 
me personally seeing somebody like John Morrison mix it up with Rey Mysterio is definitely going to be worth seeing. That's for damn sure. As I said before, Lucha Underground will resume taping towards the end of 2015 with new episodes airing in 2016. For those of us here in New York, we know that SummerSlam was not only an incredible event, but also just an incredible weekend of wrestling from top to bottom. Between NXT at the Barclay, SummerSlam, and Raw, we had a trifecta of just great wrestling that weekend, and WWE saw that and decided to not only extend SummerSlam once again into Brooklyn, but do it twice. In 2016, we will be getting NXT, SummerSlam, and Monday Night Raw once again from the Barclays. Saturday, August 20th, 2016 will be an NXT event. SummerSlam will be the following Sunday, and Raw will be the following Monday. They have also locked down 2017 for NXT, SummerSlam, and Monday Night Raw, being that this past SummerSlam weekend was so successful for the company in the New York market, it was obviously a no-brainer to take advantage of that for 2016 and 2017. So, if you missed out on SummerSlam weekend, whether it was NXT TakeOver, SummerSlam, or even Raw the following night, you're going to have an opportunity at redemption in 2016 and 2017. Maybe this time yours truly can actually get a fucking ticket. We shall see what happens, but nonetheless, very, very cool for WWE to set up shop here two years in a row for one of the biggest events of the summer. Now, the last bit of wrestling news I got to close out with is just so insane, so crazy, that I had to actually go to the website to verify that it was true. WWE announced that Dylan Postel, a.k.a. Hornswoggle, has been suspended for 30 days for violation of the company's wellness policy. Now, I said to myself, it's crazy that nobody's got themselves popped due to wellness in such a long time that it almost made me think that WWE was just sweeping it under the rug. Well, obviously that is not the case, as they did suspend Hornswoggle as of September 28th for 30 days for his first violation of the company's wellness policy. This is the first publicly announced wellness policy violation since the 2013 suspension of Ricardo Rodriguez for wellness as well. Now, it's easy to say that it's probably because of weed. That's that's the easy answer. But you know they're never going to divulge what exactly the wellness suspension was for. And even if it was for weed, maybe it was just for a little bit. <laughs> In any case... If you are a fan of Hornswoggle and you're wondering where he is, well, he will be on suspension for the next 30 days. All right, with that, that is going to wrap up the wrestling segment for this week, and it's going to wrap up the show as well. So, with that said, I've given you my take on MMA and wrestling. I'd love to hear yours. Hit us up on social media, on Twitter, at MyTakeRadio or at Rage underscore Works. If you're a Facebook user, become a fan. Interact with us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks. There's also a link there to join the RageWorks group and interact with all our fellow listeners and readers with regards to wrestling, MMA, gaming, entertainment, 
pop culture and a ton of other stuff that gets gets discussed in there. Make sure to look for the link on our Facebook fan page. You can also find My Take Radio and Rageworks on Google+, Pinterest, and if you're an Instagram user, you can follow yours truly, Rageworks underscore Rich on Instagram. With regards to tonight's episode, you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio within 24 to 48 hours of airing. Video versions will be uploaded to our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official Rage Works. We're hopefully going to have Daily Motion set up in full within the next few days, and you'll even be able to look for My Take Radio on Daily Motion as well. Otherwise, feel free to join us every Wednesday or Thursday night at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on mtrlive.com to enjoy live streams of both audio and video versions of the show, plus our chat as well. With that, I will catch you guys for our gaming and entertainment episode later on today at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, that being Thursday, August 1st, 2015. On behalf of myself, Slick, and the rest of the MTR and Rageworks family, as always, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for your continued support, and I will check you guys later. Peace. I'm rich, bitch. That's all, folks.